Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen, at snc.tv and local now, channel 525. Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church. In the meantime, and when he's not ruling in person, he's ruling at the right hand of power on high in his providence and sovereignty, bringing all things to an orderly close. And Paul wants us to know of that power working in us. God's sovereignty is a great benefit to us. And Paul wants them to know and he wants us to know. And so what we see here are the ingredients key ingredients of a prayer for all seasons. I can see the promised land Though there's pain within the plan There is victory in the end Your love is my battle cry The answer for all my life Every giant will fall The mountains will move Every chain of the past You've broken into All the fear of the lies We're singing the truth That nothing is impossible With you Hello and welcome to today's edition of the Grace to Live radio broadcast with Keith Crosby, Senior Pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are so glad that you've chosen to spend this time with us today on the program. And as always, we would encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's edition of Grace to Live, we are continuing with Pastor Keith's teaching series from the book of Ephesians. So if you have your Bibles... Please turn with us today to the book of Ephesians, chapter 1. And now, here's Pastor Keith with today's study. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. Pray then this way. He means pray then after this manner. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Heavenly Father, as we... uh, as we prepare today to look into a prayer for all seasons, 
in the book of Ephesians, Lord. Help us to, to adapt our prayer life to the models that we find throughout your word. Father, help us to, to pray without ceasing, Lord, to pray after the manner that we have so many good examples in your word. But help us, Lord, to pray with depth, to pray with precision, to pray with intention, that our prayer life may grow, that we may grow with it, and others may be blessed through it. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you know, it's, we're getting into a prayer for all seasons today. And our text is Ephesians 1, 15 through 23. And what I'm going to do, I'm just going to read the passage straight through without comment. And then we'll sort of work through it a little bit. Uh, and we'll talk about this. And we'll talk a little bit more about the book of Ephesians. We began our study of Ephesians last week. And we are moving through it. And it will introduce a little more about that book with each sermon. But for now, let's look at Ephesians chapter 1, 15 through 23. And this is what it says. And if you remember, Paul has told them last week, or last week, in the previous verses, that basically you've been blessed beyond belief. And then he says also in this text, for this reason that you've been blessed beyond belief, and because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love toward all the saints, I do, not giving, I do not cease giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the, hearts, the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might? That he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet, and he gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. There's a lot going on there. There's a lot going on there. In terms of prayer, which is what we're going to talk about today, what you're going to find here are the contents or the component parts, the constituent parts, the ingredients that I believe make up a prayer for all seasons, for all circumstances, for all seasons of spiritual maturity, for all seasons of life, young, middle-aged, old age, whatever it is, for all seasons of hardship, suffering, or joy. Christian, what you find here is a prayer that you can pray for missionaries, a prayer that you can pray for friends, family, neighbors, church leaders, and even for a pastor, for anyone who is a Christian. It is a prayer for all seasons, for all kinds of people, situations, and circumstances. And as we take time to drink all this in, I'd like to provide some additional background on the book of Ephesians before we start unpacking this passage. So 
what, the book of Ephesians, it was written to a church, as I mentioned last week, in what is now modern-day Turkey. Uh, this, this, this city, Ephesus, was home to one of the ancient wonders of the, of, uh, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, known by some of the te- as the Temple of Artemis or the Temple of Diana. It was a prosperous city. It was a spiritually dark city, heavy duty into the occult. And by God's grace, it became a spiritually transformed city. You see this in, the, in Acts 19, where the people turned from witchcraft and all these rites and rituals, and they burned their occultic material in the center of town. Now, this church at Ephesus was likely started by Achilla and Priscilla. Paul visited there sometime after the church was birthed and ministered there for two to three years. It was written around, Paul is writing around 62 AD. It's a prison epistle. He's writing from prison as he was with Philippians, right, with Colossians and Philemon. But you never know it because the joy that you see in him. And... When you look at Ephesus, if ever there was a church programmed for success, whatever that means, this church would have been it. It had the dream team of pastors. You know, it had Paul. It had Timothy. It had Apollos. And it had John, the disciple that Jesus loved. And Ephesus got off to a wonderful start, made a huge impact. Unfortunately, as we see in the book of Revelation in the letter of the seven churches, Ephesus didn't finish well. She remained unshakably orthodox in her belief, but her heart toward God, her joy in the Lord had grown cold. And most likely, this church died when the city of Ephesus died. It was on the Caister River. It was a port city, and the port filled in. And if you go to Ephesus today, you're you're not close to the water, and so the city died and with it the church, apparently. The ruins of Ephesus are still there. I've been there a couple of times. They're a wonder to behold. Now, against this backdrop, let me walk you through the text. So we start out with, for this reason, for what reason? Because you've been blessed beyond belief and because I have heard of your faith. So Ephesus continues to make good waves in the Christian world. Because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints. I do not cease giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Blessed beyond belief, they are Christ's people and consequently as Christ they love all the saints and this love for all the saints and their witness just encourages Paul's heart and moves him to pray for them to give thanks for them and he remembers them in his prayers and he describes with precision what that looks like he's going to describe what remembering them in his prayers looks like and what he spells out and models there what he describes should be a model for us You know, we have so many great models of prayer in the Bible. We have Daniel's prayer of repentance, right, in Daniel 9, national and personal repentance. You have Jesus' model prayer. We read it earlier, just a moment ago. Some call it the Lord's Prayer. And we have Jesus' high priestly prayer. We have Paul's prayer in Colossians, Ephesians, Philip. You have prayers everywhere. Today's example is what we call a prayer for all seasons, You know, we're often moved for prayer in times of hardship, grief, joy, and bewilderment. But this prayer, you might say, and I want to be careful how I say this, is a garden variety prayer. What does that mean? Garden variety just sounds common, useless, you know, not, no, it's, it's a prayer for every day. 
every situation, every, no matter where you are, what you're doing, what circumstance you're facing, this prayer is a prayer for all seasons and situations. This is a prayer that should inform your prayer and should help you constitute or design a prayer or an approach to prayer as you pray for believers primarily. It's a prayer you could pray collectively for the people of Hillside Church, just as Paul does for the Ephesian church. And I want to emphasize you can use this prayer to pray for new Christians and for maturing Christians. And so we read this again, first, uh, Ephesians 1, 15 to 23. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all the saints, I do not cease giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And what does this look like? Verse 17, that the God of our Father, Lord Jesus Christ, that the Father of glory may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him. You know, they tell us sometimes in school and in life and in, and in whatever undertaking we undertake, you, you may never fully master something. You just keep after it. And the same is true of the Christian life. We continue to seek growth day in and day out. When I talk about maturing Christians, you hardly ever hear me use the word mature Christians. Why? Because a mature Christian is a dead Christian. Okay? They're in heaven. They're, they've been completed in their sanctification. And there's nobody here that's a mature Christian. And so Paul prays for them that they will continue to lay hold of what they have in Christ. And so as long as you read your Bible, think, live, and pray, you, this prayer is for you and about you, and you can use this prayer, so to speak, on others, for others. So Paul prays as we should pray, namely for other Christians, that they may gain more and more insight and understanding of God and his blessings his character, his nature, his will, as they read and mature and pray. And why is this important? Because the more you know him, the more you trust him. And the more you're able to make sense of your existence as you look into the word, into the word of God and it brings this world into focus from an eternal perspective. You, you're able to even figure out, so to speak, as they say in the 21st century, your place in the universe a universe that can tell you of his existence but cannot explain him. Only his word can, right? So he says in verse 18, having the eyes of your heart enlightened that you may know, that you may grasp what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in all the saints? A lot of times we get caught up in stuff we, we forget of our inheritance. We forget that this life is short and eternity is long and the best is yet to be. And we live as if this life is all that there is. And so we, sometimes we take our eyes off of God and we become distracted from the wondrous riches and blessings that lie ahead. And so he prays for them, as we should pray for each other and ourselves, that we would lay hold of the the eyes of our heart, our, our spiritual perception, our emotional perception, our earnest perception would be opened to what we have in Christ. That's why Paul later shouts almost in the book of Romans, oh, the riches of, and wisdom of, and the knowledge of God. Because when he thinks about God, when he begins to lay hold of these things, as, he, as his world comes more and more into focus, as he grows more and more, he's overwhelmed by what he already has in Christ 
and what he's going to receive from Christ. So a lot of times we just don't have, we don't realize how good we have it. And we don't realize all the great things he has in store for us and the links that he's already gone for us. And so Paul prays for them for added understanding, enlightenment, that, that would bring about more spiritual growth and change, which is the tonic spiritual growth for what ails most of us. He develops this further in verse 19. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his great might. Do not miss what's going on here. Paul wants them and us to lay hold of the fact of the power that God has displayed toward us, that he has made available to us who believe, to Christians, the immeasurable greatness of his power. We know how big he is and how small we are and how giant his omnipotent sovereign grace is and how small, comparatively speaking, are the problems that we face. He doesn't want us to miss out. And so Paul wants them, and dare I say, any Christian who reads this letter to have an undistorted and clear view of the power of God deployed toward us in purchasing our salvation and this power made available to us as his children, a power that took those who were dead in their sins and trespasses and made them alive in Christ, as we'll read later, the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, that same power is available to us in our sanctification. Verse 20, that he worked in Christ, here it is, when he raised him from the dead and set him at the right hand of power in heavenly places. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, above every name that is, is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. Paul prays for the Ephesians for an awareness of the power of God made available to them, that God may display through them, how God may use them as instruments in the Redeemer's hand, the power that Christ, that was shown in Christ's resurrection. And so he wants us to pray, and he wants them to pray that others may lay hold to what God has made available to them, power made available to the church. You see that power in verse 22 in the sense that he put all things under his feet. Christ is the king of the universe. He will rule over this universe. It's not if, it's when. In the meantime, and when he's not ruling in person, he's ruling at the right hand of power on high in his providence and sovereignty, bringing all things to an orderly close. And Paul wants us to know of that power working in us. God's sovereignty is a great benefit to us, and Paul wants them to know, and he wants us to know. And so what we see here are the ingredients, key ingredients of a prayer for all seasons. And what I want to do for you today is just to identify three of these ingredients Call it three active ingredients for a prayer life. Three active ingredients for a prayer of all, for all seasons. We'll take them one at a time. These are prayers that we need to be praying for on behalf of others who are in Christ as well as ourselves. And number one, pray for spiritual insight and understanding for fellow believers and for fellow Christians. Pray for spiritual insight and understanding for fellow Christians. You see this in Ephesians 1.17. 
that the Lord, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you, you plural, he's talking to the church, remembering you in my prayers, I thank God for you and I ask that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him. Now let's clear up the translational error in the English and the ESV. It's not the spirit. It's a spirit. There is no the in the text. There is a grammatical construction that confuses some people. And I won't get into the finer points of attributive and distributive grammar. But there's no the in the text. And we know it's he's speaking of a spirit, not the Holy Spirit. Why? Because he's writing to who? The church who was at Ephesus, right? Those who are faithful? Those who are born again? Christians, in other words. And what do we know about Christians? They already have the Holy Spirit. They don't need more of the Holy Spirit. When you're born again, you receive the Holy Spirit, right? So they already have the Spirit, and that's where a Spirit comes from. What Paul prays in terms of the saints and the faithful is, it refers to a quality of mind or uh, that they, the person may receive greater understanding as the Holy Spirit who already indwells them illumines their understanding. You see this type of terminology also in 1 Corinthians 4.21 and Galatians 6.1 where Paul speaks to a spirit of gentleness. You see this even in Matthew in G, where, where Jesus in Matthew 11.25 to 26 talks about a condition of understanding a spirit of understanding. And he, he's praying this prayer, and he says, and it says in God's word, at that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to the little children. Yes, Father, such was your gracious will. This is where the spirit illumines our understanding. This is a, this is a spirit of understanding. It's like an ability So you're praying on behalf of others that they would have the ability to understand the things of God more fully. It's a condition of understanding, a quality of mind. Some call it the illumination of the Holy Spirit. Receiving an ability from the already received Holy Spirit by which we are already sealed and it's an ability that helps us to grasp more and more what we have in Christ. And as an ability, it shows up in Ephesians three seventeen through 18. Paul writes, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength. And the word there in the Greek also refers to ability. Strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and height and depth, of course, of Christ's love. It's a... It's a it's a spirit of understanding, of wisdom, of revelation, of understanding. It, so you're not receiving the Holy Spirit a second time, but the Holy Spirit within you is granting you more and more ability to understand the things of God. We need to be praying for each other along those lines. Now somebody may say, well, wait a minute. If they've already got the Holy Spirit, why should they pray for more and more revelation or more and more understanding or whatever? Because what is already present must be strengthened. 
That's why the Bible talks again and again about sanctification, spiritual growth. When you're born again, you do not have a a comprehensive understanding of the Word of God, of the will of God. You know that you've been born again. You're like a baby. That's why we refer to baby Christians. And so the Holy Spirit is present to be sure, but here the apostle prays that the Ephesians may be strengthened with the power of the Spirit in the inner man, Ephesians 3.16. Pastor Keith Crosby on today's edition of Grace to Live. We are so blessed that you've chosen to spend time with us today studying God's Word. And if you'd like more information on Pastor Keith or Hillside Church, here's how you can connect with us. Our mailing address is 545 Hillsdale Avenue in San Jose, California, 95136. The church office telephone line is area code 408-269-4782. And you can connect with us on our website, which is gracetoliveradio.org. There you can check out archived messages of past sermons and also listen to Pastor Keith's weekly blog. And please remember that the Grace to Live radio program is a listener-supported ministry outreach of Hillside Church if you'd like to partner with us financially. Again, all of these things are available to you on our website, gracetoliveradio.org. Also, I'd like to remind you that Pastor Keith and the staff here at Hillside always look forward to hearing from you. So if you'd like to drop us a note, you can email us here at keith at hillside.org. Well, we hope that you'll join us again next time for Grace to Live. But until then, I'm your host, Kevin Reeves. And on behalf of Pastor Keith and everyone here at Hillside Church, it is our prayer that the Lord will richly bless you. And thanks for listening. Thank you.